God, we thank you that you are good, that your love endures forever, that we can lift our praises to you for your kindness bids us to come before you. And so, God, we thank you that we have that kind of access that we might be near you, that we might love you, that we could bow before your throne, that you would call us sons and daughters. God, we know that you are so great and so mighty and so different from us. That you see us, that you know us. And yet in spite of that, you love us. God, we thank you. We thank you. We praise you. We love you. God, I know today that many people have come, both in this room and in others like it, with heavy burdens. They've come with things that they are facing. Difficult diagnoses. Challenges. Marital problems. Family dysfunction. There are people who are looking for work. Those who are dealing with loss. And God, we thank you that you are big enough for us. That you are more than enough that we can cast our cares upon you because you love us that you care for us. God, what have we done to deserve such grace? We thank you because that's who you are. And so, God, we lift up those who are struggling today. We lift up those who uh, aren't with us for, for whatever reason. Maybe they're traveling. Maybe they're sick. God, we pray a blessing upon them. God, specifically, we lift up Bob Derby as he continues to heal God, we give you thanks for the doctors and the nurses who have cared so faithfully for him. 
God, we give over to you all the concerns of our hearts that go unspoken, the ones that we hide behind words like fine and good and okay. God, we know that you know. God, we give you thanks for anything and everything that brings us to our knees before you. Anything that drives us into our presence is for our good. Anything that drives us into your presence is for our good, God. So God, thank you. I pray for the rest of our worship today, God, that you may be blessed, that you may be pleased. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. Good morning. It has been a couple weeks since I have been here with you, and, uh, and it's good to be back. It's good to be back. I, I took a couple of weeks off to recharge and to spend some time with family, and uh, man, it is, uh, it is so good. I am so thankful for faithful brothers like uh, Josh and Gerald uh, who stepped in and, and delivered two wonderful messages uh, the last two weeks. Um, I, I'm so thankful for you guys um, for that, and I know that uh, many of you were blessed by uh, their being here uh, as well. Today, I'd like to begin by asking you a question. I'd like to begin by asking you a question, and uh, I, I, want, I want to give you a statement, and I want to ask that you fill in the blank, okay? Here's the statement. After a long, hard day, I just need blank, okay? After a long, hard day, I just need blank. Now, what I want you to do, I want you to turn to your neighbor, and I want you to say the first thing that comes to your mind, okay? Go ahead and fill in the blank. Tell your neighbor what the answer is. Go ahead. Awesome. Awesome. Great. Good job. Good job. Now, just out of curiosity, just out of curiosity, how many of you said sleep? Yes, that is what I'm talking about. All right. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, there are, there are a few things that I enjoy more in this world than a good nap. And, and to be honest, I think that napping and growing facial hair are probably two of my greatest gifts. Uh, I'm, I'm really thinking about turning pro, but I'm, I'm still discussing my options with my agent. Uh, there. How many of you said watch TV or, or Netflix? Okay. All right. All right. Very good. Okay. Net, Netflix does count as watching TV. I know. Uh, I don't know if people say like, uh, do, do people even say like surf the internet? Like anybody surf the internet? Anybody say that one? I don't know if people even still say surf the internet. Do they say surf the internet anymore? Probably not. Probably not. They probably just say get on Facebook right? Isn't that kind of like what serving the internet is? Uh, the, the Facebook tells us everything that we need to know in life, I think. Um, did anybody answer, read a book? Okay, just Patty. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. 
Okay. I, I am aware that there are some readers out there, and, and there is something incredibly relaxing about reading a good book, so much that many times it leads to a good nap. That's what it does. Uh, so just kind of the precursor right there. I mean, regardless of how you may have answered that question, regardless of how you may have answered, the truth is that we all have times when we are empty. We all have had times when we are spent. We all have experienced those days or those weeks that have been hard. Those seasons of life that just drain us. And so today, we're going to talk about what happens in those moments. Today, we're talking about food for the soul. So if you have your Bible with you today, I'm going to ask that you open it to Mark chapter 6. That's going to be the gospel of Mark in the New Testament, chapter 6. And we're going to be beginning in verse 30 today. So if you have a smartphone, you can also find all the notes and the scriptures from today in the YouVersion Bible app. Uh, just go to the events tab there. But Mark 6, 30 to 44 is where we're going to be living today. Uh, just uh, follow along as I read the word of God to us aloud here. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said. And it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave it to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. If your Bible has the little headings that come before uh, the passages, your, your Bible might read something like, Jesus feeds the 5,000. Just before this passage. It might say something a little different, but, but this is... That miracle, that miracle that we are so familiar with, Jesus performs an incredible act of God. In fact, this miracle is uh, one of, it's the only one that you find in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This one is recorded in all four of them. 
And this story is a big deal. It still is. It's one of my daughter's favorites, actually. She's like, how did he take five loaves of bread and two fish and feed all those people? Wouldn't we all like to know? Even more remarkable is that it's this kid's lunch. This passage doesn't mention the kid, but, I mean, a little kid brought five loaves and two fish for lunch. It was enough to fit in his basket, his, his satchel that he carried with him from place to place. These loaves of bread, they were more like dinner rolls. These two fish, more like sardines. And yet, over 5,000 men were fed. Scholars say that if you include the women and the children, the number is probably somewhere between 12,000 and 20,000 people. That's the average attendance for a Reds game in 2018. This is a great story, a phenomenal act of God, and we're all familiar with it. We've heard it since we were kids. Oh my gosh, Jesus took a Lunchable and he fed 5,000 people. And yet I think that there's still more that God wants us to see in this passage. There's still more. See, earlier in this, in this chapter, Jesus had sent out his disciples. He sent them out two by two to the surrounding towns and villages to preach and to teach and to heal people and to cast out demons, you name it. And it says in verses 12 and 13, here's what it says. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. <coughs> but now they've returned. They have returned back to Jesus. They have gathered around him. And they've been doing all these great things. They've been out serving him. They uh, now have returned back to report all of the wonderful things that have happened, the things that they have seen, the things that they have heard, the things that they have experienced. Can you imagine some of the things that they are saying that they saw, some of the things that they experienced on their way? What kinds of things are they sharing? Incredible stories of people being healed. Incredible stories of miracles that happened. I mean, I'm sure Peter and James and John are going back and forth about who casts demons out better. Peter's all like, and that's when I said, get out of here. And the demon was gone. I mean, I'm sure they were challenged in many ways, too. I'm sure that some, you know, are sharing stories about how they had to shake the dust off their sandals and leave the town because the people there wouldn't listen to them. Yet, in their short time of doing ministry, they have experienced so much, so much good, and so much not so good. And now they're back with Jesus, and they're all trying to tell their stories, and then there's all these people you ever tried to, to have a conversation with somebody and there's all these people? They keep coming up. The name of Jesus is getting around. People are coming to see this teacher, this prophet who knows things, this man of God who can heal people. 
Verse 31 says, Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. There was so much going on that Jesus says, Let's get away. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and just rest. What a profound statement. The first thing I want us to see here today is that God knows what you need. God knows what you need. Mark tells us that so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat. They didn't have a chance to eat. The disciples, they're hungry. I mean, Peter is probably a little hangry. And at this point, they haven't eaten since they have returned from their tour of the surrounding areas. And how does Jesus respond in that moment? He said, hey, let's go get something to eat. Or better yet, did he say, let's sit down here and eat? No. Jesus says, come with me and rest. Jesus knew exactly what they needed. He knew that food wouldn't fill them up in that moment. If food was indeed what they needed, then why didn't he just give it to them? If food was what they needed, then why didn't they just go and get some? Heck, we know how the story ends. Why didn't Jesus just perform that miracle right then? I mean, instead of dinner, we could just call it lunch or, or second lunch or first dinner or whatever. I mean, would it have been any less of a miracle if it had been 12 or 12 plus Jesus making 13? Would it have been any less of a miracle if it were 13 instead of 5,000? I'm sure the disciples thought that they needed food. We've all been there. I mean, I'm sure that you've had days where you've been so busy, going nonstop, pedal to the metal, right? It's in the afternoon, and you're like, I haven't eaten anything all day. But God knows what our greatest need is. And more than anything, we need him. A simple fix, a simple solution will not do because more than anything, we need him. Last week, you heard Gerald share Matthew 11, 8, 11, 28. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. We convince ourselves that we need a vacation. We convince ourselves that we just need to chill out. We need to binge watch our favorite show. We need to go to the gym. We need to disconnect to just not do anything for a while. We convince ourselves that what we need most is something that we can do in and of ourselves. We believe that we can fix what is wrong with us. I can fix what is wrong with me. I'm tired. I'm physically worn out. I'm emotionally spent. I'm hungry. I'm hurt. I'm angry. I'm annoyed. I'm frustrated. I'm broken. I just need some time. I just need to get away. I just... I don't know how you answer that question, but God knows. He sees you. He sees your passions and your desires. He sees your hurt and your pain. 
He knows what you need. He knows what you need most. He knows what will fix you when you're empty. And it's Him. See, those other things, they won't last. Those other things won't last, but we convince ourselves that that's really what we need in those moments. We convince ourselves that this will make it better. So we veg out on the couch and watch another episode of The Office or whatever your go-to show is. Just something that will allow us to check out for a little bit. Something that will allow us to laugh and numb the dissatisfaction that we feel. Maybe you pour yourself a glass of wine or pop open a cold one because you're convinced that that will help you relax until you get to the bottom of the glass. Perhaps we should check the fridge or the pantry. Maybe there's something in there that we can eat our feelings with. If you're sitting here today and you're spent, you're worn out, you've been so busy, you're sitting there frustrated and tired and annoyed, and you might might just snap if the wrong person comes to you and says the wrong thing at the wrong time, then hear me say today that Jesus knows. He knows. He understands. Jesus knows what it's like. He felt all of the feelings He was fully human and fully God. He sees you. He knows you. He knows exactly what you need. When Jesus had eaten nothing for 40 days, he was hungry and Satan came to tempt him in the wilderness. And here's here's what it says. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Excuse me. God knows what you need. He knows where you lack. He knows where I fall short. He knows where our minds go when we are challenged. He sees our thoughts when our day has just been the worst. And he says, come with me by yourself. Come with me by yourself. Come get some rest. Rest in me. God knows what you need, and he desires to give you exactly what you need. He's the one that can do something about it. Verse 32 says, so they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. The people, they were like paparazzi. Jesus and the disciples, they can't get away. Any normal person would have been annoyed. Their privacy was invaded. Anybody other than Jesus would have resented these people for inconveniencing them. But Jesus sees them and he has compassion on them. He knows why they're there. They're like sheep without a shepherd. They don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. They don't know what to do or how to do it or when to do it or why to do it. And they are just like sheep. 
So Jesus becomes their shepherd. And so he begins to show them. He begins to tell them. He begins to teach them. Again, he is giving them exactly what they need. Spiritual food. The second thing I want us to say today is that uh, without God's presence, we are absent of God's power. God's power cannot be separated from his presence. See, the disciples, they're empty the disciples are empty. They, they wanted Jesus to hear what they had to say. They wanted to give Jesus the report, and yet Jesus knows that they are empty. Jesus knows what they need, and so Jesus wants to give them something instead. Jesus wants them to be filled. They escape to a place where nobody else is. Jesus' intent is to fill them. They are powerless and he wants to make them powerful again. They're powerless. But the thing is, he doesn't give us his power apart from his presence. He doesn't give us his power apart from his presence. His desire is the same for you and me. He wants to fill us with his presence. He wants us to cast our burdens upon him. He wants, us, he wants to hold us and to comfort us and to love us. He wants to comfort us when we are sad and celebrate with us when we are excited and when we are glad. The king actually desires to be in the presence of beggars. The king wants to see you. Our king wants to be with us. Our God wants to bless us with his power and his presence. However, that's not always what we want. Don't get me wrong. We want to see God move. We want to witness the power of God tangibly demonstrated before us. We just don't want to necessarily be inconvenienced by spending time with God. We don't want to take the time. Quite frankly, we're afraid. We're afraid. I mean, we're afraid that either God won't meet our need as we have defined it, or we're afraid that maybe we'll get more than we bargained for. I mean, he might, on the one hand, care too little about us to do anything for us, but on the other hand, he might care too much, and he might start to change too much. I mean, what if God does what I don't want him to do, and he decides to uh, fix it? What if he tries to help? We essentially want God to be the subcontractor who is hired to do a specific job and then leave everything else just the same. But we don't get that luxury. He is either Lord of all or he is Lord not at all. The disciples, they needed to get away with Jesus. It was for their own good, and it was for the good of the world that they would do so. And the same thing is true of us. It is for our good to spend time with God. It is for the good of the world. Whatever ministry that we are a part of, it is for the good of those we serve to spend time with God. 
We can't give others something that we ourselves don't have. When we are empty, we have nothing to give. When we are empty, we have nothing to give. But when God fills us up with his presence, we have power. We're able to serve with a supernatural love that comes only from God. We're able to hear the Holy Spirit of God more clearly and discern more clearly the way of the Lord when we ourselves are connected to him. It's for this reason that Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. When we are connected to him, we are filled with his presence. We bear much fruit. As it says in Galatians, love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of the fruit of the spirit that he bears in us. And we are filled with his power. That same power that raised Jesus from the grave is in you and me. The power of God in our fingertips. I don't know what you are going through today. I don't know what battles you have been fighting this week. But God wants you to know that you have everything you will ever need, and it's found in him. You have everything you will ever need to be more than a conqueror. I mean, we don't have that in and of ourselves, but he does. He who speaks things into existence he who does all things well, he who holds all things together will fight for you and for me. Jesus says, just ask. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who receives, for everyone who, who asks receives, the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. If you seek him, you will find him. If you seek him, you will find him, and with him comes everything you ever needed. After Jesus has spent time with the disciples and the very large crowd that's gathered, his disciples came to him. They said, this is a remote place, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go get some food. And Jesus answers, you give them something to eat. They start to freak out. How will we ever be able to accomplish such a task? I mean, how much money is that going to cost? We don't have the money. Where will we go? How will we do that? Doesn't he know that that's impossible? Yeah. Yeah, he does. He knows that's impossible. With man, it is impossible, but not so with God. The last thing I want us to see is that God sustains you and me. God sustains us moment by moment. God sustains us moment by moment. We said earlier that Jesus knows what his disciples, they truly need. And so they go away with him, and he doesn't give them food right away. He gives them himself, which is much better. It's better than food. But now it's time to eat. And Jesus uses this teachable moment to show his disciples, those closest to him, how he sustains them. School is in session and they have a front row seat. Send them away, Jesus. No, you give them something to eat. 
Do you expect us to go and buy food? Depends how much you got. Well, we have five loaves and two fish. Oh, that's plenty. That's plenty. Did Jesus really need five loaves and two fish? No. This God who speaks things into existence could just golden corral. But he wants his disciples to know that what is little in their hands, what little they have, is a lot in the hands of God. What is little in their hands is much in the hands of God. It could have been far less. It doesn't really matter how many dinner rolls and sardines there were. The good shepherd has compassion for his sheep. And he feeds them all until they're stuffed. And when they're done eating... There were 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. 12 basketfuls. One basket for each disciple. That they may see, that they may know that he is God and that he meets their needs, that he will provide and he will sustain. As the psalmist wrote, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. It is for this reason that our good shepherd gave his life for his sheep. For you and for me, he bled and died because that's what we needed. That's exactly what we needed. Our God withholds no good thing from us because he loves us. He loves you and he loves me in abundance so that it overflows. It overflows. What extravagant love our God has for us. Praise God that he knows what we need and when we need it. Praise God that he doesn't just give us his power apart from his presence, but he gives us his presence and with him comes everything else. That our God would be with us. That our God would sustain us each and every moment by moment by moment. Amen. Will you pray with me? God, you are so good. Do you know You know us intimately. You know our situation. 
God, we confess that sometimes we come to you asking for what you can do for us, all the while rejecting the relationship that you offer. God, with you, we have everything. I don't know why we do it. Sometimes we just seek your power and all your other stuff, all the benefits that you have for us over you. God, we we want you. We want, we want to want you. Because God, when we seek only what you can give us, only what you can do for us, then we get neither you nor your benefits. We are not worthy of such a relationship, God, but you have made it so. You have desired to be in relationship with us. From the moment that you knit us together in our mother's womb, God, you have desired to know us and to be with us. And so God, help us to not be afraid of your presence. To not avoid your presence. God, we thank you for sustaining us each and every hour of every day. God, I know that there are some here today who need a miracle. Well, God, when we come to you, we've come to the right place. Thank you, God. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Right now we're going to enter into a time of response. The worship team is going to lead us into in a song. And if you'd like to pray, the altar is open for prayer. I'll be down front if you'd like to talk. But let us stand together. Let's sing together. And let's respond to God together.